So those were the excuses I told myself, but really I was probably scared shitless. It's one thing to say, here's software, it, do- it works or it doesn't. It's another thing to say, here's a mental framework. Oh my God, these people are gonna hate me and think I'm stupid and a fraud, right? I mean, software works or it doesn't work. Information is a bit different, I think. What's going on, Brickstackers? As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and I'm back today with a brand new episode of Stacking the Bricks. If this is your first time joining us, this is a show about the small steps, the tiny wins, and the lessons learned along the way from real people that have started businesses selling products online. Creative people, just like you and me. Today, I'm super excited that I get to share an episode with you that I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. As a teacher, one of the most gratifying things that Amy and I get to experience is when students become masters of their own. And when I think of masters, I can't help but think of Brennan Dunn. You might know Brennan from his site doubleyourfreelancing.com and his super popular course Double Your Freelancing Rate, various other courses he's created over the years, and his new product writemessage.io. See, the thing you need to know about Brennan is not just that he is a production machine. That's how he cranks out all that amazing content and is constantly building and delivering incredible value to his audience and his customers. The thing you need to know about Brennan is that he started out just like most of you. We're going to start out today's story with Brennan giving a little bit of background on his experience in building a successful consulting agency, but eventually realizing it wasn't the path he wanted to go when he could be the one creating products and selling them to people instead of creating products for other people to sell and leaving them to reap all the benefits of his creative work. But this is so much more than an origin story. This is a deep dive into the strategies that Brennan has learned and deployed over the last five to seven years of building smaller products that lead to bigger products, of building a relationship with his audience that ends up with a bigger audience, and even how to use lessons learned along the way to create the foundation for his latest SaaS that isn't even available to the public yet, but he can't keep up with the demand. Brennan is a former student, He's a colleague, most importantly a friend, and someone I admire and respect and always learn new things from anytime I get a chance to hear what he's working on. So without further ado, I would love to kick things off with Brennan Dunn. I hope you listen carefully, I hope you take notes, and I hope you get a ton out of this episode. That's more than enough for an intro. I'm going to let Brennan take it away. So, well, we could start back in when I was running an agency circa 2008. That was my first kind of real proper adventure into running a business. A few clients paying a lot of money and all the stress of big payroll and all that good stuff. And then Amy was opening up 30 by 500, I think. What year was this? 2011, I think, something like that. And, you know, before that I'd done, I'd kind of always wanted to, I mean, it's hard when you're consulting and you're building products for other people, you, you're like, I've got everything I need in-house do it myself, but I'm built. It's like, I'm doing it for others. Why can't I do it for myself? So I had all these itchings to go out and build like a Airbnb for food, which was dead on arrival. And, um, you know, just being very naive, even though all I had to do was look at my own clients and see how many of them were abject failures because they didn't put any stock into the thing they were paying us to build. So anyway, I took 30 by 500 and Amy had me ditch the Airbnb idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that led me to PlanScope. And PlanScope was my, my baby that emerged from, from the class. And uh, that was my B2B product, which I knew is what I wanted to focus on. It addressed visible pains and it, was, it worked. I mean, it, 
got customers. I had no exposure, no anything online. So following the whole idea of e-bombs and all that good stuff, build up. I think I had like an, uh, a launch list of about 300 people. What do you think was difficult about how you launched PlanScope, knowing what you know now? So the mistake I made, I think, was because it was dependent on client projects, what that meant was somebody would need to have a, a new project. So if, if you found the PlanScope site and you're midway through a client project or something like that, you might think to yourself, oh, this looks cool. I'll come back when I am done this project and have a new client. And oftentimes when they think that, they wouldn't come back. So it was really hard to both get the timing right and also make it so, I mean, in order to get value from it, you had to make it a part of your daily habit of working with clients. You had to get your clients to buy into it. You had to get your team to buy into it. At first, I only onboarded the account owner, which is dumb because if the client doesn't figure it out, they're going to go back to email and the account owner is going to cancel, right? So there were just a lot of mistakes I made in not really thinking through how people would actually use the product and how they would make it a part of the way they worked. And I put way too much stock into just the typical SaaS marketing site of have a sales page up, free trial, they click it, they start the free trial, you do some attempted onboarding, and then hopefully they'll convert. So I did that. And then that led me to writing content, hoping that that would generate leads for PlanScope. And I was building up kind of an audience of people who were interested in freelancing, but didn't give a crap about software. And I think right around then is when uh, Amy convinced me to write a book that was then called Double Your Freelancing Rate, which I very much resisted. What was the resistance? I did not want to write eBooks. I'm a software engineer. Okay. <laughs> Can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what is it that you think in the mindset of an engineer, I want to be software engineering, not writing books. Is it as simple as that? Or is there well, more no. to it? I mean, it, it would be wrong to call me. I shouldn't have said software engineer. I was a self-taught coder. So that, and I also had majored in uh, the classics. So I read real books and um, I did not think that an ebook about pricing for freelancers was comparable in any way to real books. That's super interesting. So uh, where, where you personally considered the value of a source, my ebook is never going to be a classic, so why bother? Well, no. So those were the excuses I told myself, but really I was probably scared shitless about putting... My, it's one thing to say, here's software, it, do, it works or it doesn't. It's another thing to say, here's a mental framework. Oh my God, these people are going to hate me and think I'm stupid and a fraud, right? I mean, software works or it doesn't work. Information is a bit different, I think. That's very interesting. You know, so Amy issues you this challenge. You resisted yeah. like crazy. But what made you bite the bullet and actually give it a shot? Well, I mean, there was a financial reason for the challenge. And that was, uh, she was like, hey, they're doing this conference called FunConf. You should go. Thomas and I are going. It'll be fun. And I was like, I don't have the money. And she's like, well, get the money. And I'm like, how? She's like, pre-sell a book. I'm like, no. And then... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like long story short, she was right. And I did that. I think I made like $2,000 in pre-sales, which on back then for my, I was selling it at like $29 and my list was microscopic. So it actually did pretty well, I think in retrospect. Okay. So that's a great jumping off point. So it started as a challenge. Where did it go from Wow, people actually would buy this book to more of the empire that you're sure. known of these so days? What happened was, so I took people's money as a presale and I really felt bad about it. So I thought I need to email them weekly. Otherwise they're all going to be like claiming I'm a thief or something. So I started writing weekly 
about what I was working on with the book. And then I, I think it was like a month and a half, two months later is when I shipped it. And I realized I could, you know, I, I thought at first, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I've delivered the product. I don't need to send the weekly emails. But I just decided to keep sending them because I'd kind of gotten in the habit of it, right? And then I got an email from somebody who had bought the book who was on that list because the only way to get on that list was to buy. Got an email from someone saying, hey, I've got a friend who's a freelancer. She wants on, um, where's your sign up form? I'm like, I don't have one. She could buy the book. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so, but then I, I got smart and I put, you know, a, a sign up thing on the footer of these articles I was writing and started putting these e- emails on my site. Also started building up some Google juice from that over time. And then I started, I would get people who would go through the course on pricing or as a book on pricing. And they'd ask me, Hey, I saw you build an agency. Do you have any advice? And that's when I started just responding to what people were saying, really sales safari on my own list, right? So I would do a lot of PSs to my weekly email saying, you know, I'm thinking of, of potentially doing a course where I talk about what it took to grow my agency. Is that something you might be interested in? If so, respond. And I'd get a few dozen responses. And then from there, I just jump onto a lot of email threads. So tell me about why you want to grow an agency and what would it mean? Finally, I get to the point where I realized, okay, a bunch of people want this. How about I do like a Google Hangout two-day thing? I'll charge $1,000 for it. And I just went back to that list, the, you know, the, the people I've been talking with, found all the conversations in Gmail and said, hey, would you pay this? And you know, that's how product number two came to be born. And rinse and repeat for everything really since then has been pretty much that model, very just responding to more importantly, I think reading between the lines of what they're telling me and trying to figure out exactly what I could build again or build next to help them. The way you just described it too is interesting because it's different from a like an outright, would you buy this or do you need this or what problem do you have? Like you have a very specific approach to, to digging. Sounds like there's a question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, thread with an individual potentially to sort of divine something out. Like what's going on there? I mean, this is probably the one thing, the the best thing my um, liberal arts education did for me was reading a lot of Plato and the Socratic dialogues and learning about this method of question and answer where you're really trying to peel back the layers and get to the root of some surface level assumption or thought or something like that. So in college, I mean, that most people went on lawyers or something like that. Instead, I'm using it now to mine an email list for data. <laughs> so combining that with with observing people in the wild safari style and then sort of taking it in-house, you've got people who you've already earned their trust, you know something about them, and then applying this additional layer to bring stuff to the surface that you can then observe. Right. You know, it's interesting. Like what I've come to realize, for instance, with double your freelancing rate is it's not about people wanting to make more. It's about people wanting to avoid the stress of cash flow hiccups. So, you know, that's, that's really the root of it. And the perceived idea is that if I can charge more, I'll have more in the bank, which will mean I won't be in a rut when my clients are late on paying me or something like that. And that's really, it's not usually that they want to have like Ferraris or anything like that. So the more I've come to get to know, you know, my customer base and get to understand like the root of what it is they really want solved. I mean, that's, that's all been directly now fed into the product and the marketing leading up to the product. Where, where things really took off for you. And I think where at least I started seeing you become a more household name is when you really started applying both detail. So you're taking what we refer to as like crispiness 
in 30 by 100, these, these detailed observations about what people's problems are, the specificity of where they're coming from. They're not just a freelancer, they're an agency or a small agency versus a big agency, or the reasons that they want to grow their agency, things like that. Started tailoring it to your marketing uh, and, and things like that. And it sounds like creating double your freelancing rate as that first product for whatever money it made you, it sounds like that led you down a path to start to really study what you're doing now and calling personalization. Do you remember what your, your earliest work in trying to personalize looked like? I remember with PlantScope, I would make it so when you signed up, if you told me you're a designer, I would, your sample project would be a tasks that a designer might do. Whereas if you told me you're a developer, it would be tasks that a developer would do. And if you told me you're a team, these tasks might be assigned to randomly generated fake people. So just, you know, I was trying to really get better at onboarding. What I realized doing that is the web browser doesn't care that it's a SaaS. It just says, hey, this is a web page. Cool. Um, so knowing that, I was like, well, why can't I make like my blog, which I have a opt-in thing, why can't I make it so it's a little, like, if they're not on my list, show the opt-in. If they are on my list, point to the SAS, get them to sign up. Now, simple as that, right? Like if else, that was it. And that's where things started. That was the root of it all, where if they're not, because I realized if somebody's Googling around for information about pricing and finds an article of mine on my PlanScope blog, they're not interested in project management software at that point. So trying to point people back to the SAS's homepage isn't gonna help. And it didn't help because I, I did that for a while. So. By getting them on like a, a uh, you know, just a five little lesson, five lesson drip course type thing. It, I was using Infusionsoft, but you would opt into that. And then it would just, the goal of that was to basically set the stage for introducing PlanScope as a thing that will help you manage your projects better. And all I did is because I was sending my list back to the blog every time I had a new article, I realized, well, if somebody's on my list, there's no point in showing that form. So why don't I just point, like have a banner at that once the marketing site. And that's all it was at first. And it started from that. But then as I started to grow beyond just over your freelancing rate and have other products, and then I split off the two from PlanScope and then PlanScope was kind of, I got rid of it last year. But then, you know, I, I really started to tend to this double your freelancing portfolio of products. I realized, well, why not make it, why not go further and say like, if they bought this, but haven't bought that, promote this. And then now I'm at the point where I'm looking at like, if they came from a web design blog, that linked to my site and they're reading articles and proposals, they're going to see on the homepage stuff about how I can help designers close more proposals. So I've really taken it in a way to the extreme, but it makes sense why that would work. Cause if you, if you're coming from a web design blog, you're probably a web designer. So then if I speak to you as a web designer, you're, you're going to think, Oh, this is a site meant just for me. And you know, that's all, that's all I've been doing. And so how did that change performance conversion rates and things like that? Well, that's a fun question. So um, I track a lot of things and Google traffic to an article with an anonymous person. So if Google sends me someone who's never been to my site, when I used to have the generic site-wide call to action, I would get about a 2% opt-in rate globally for that, you know, that person reading an article. And then I realized that I was looking at people who do content upgrades which are specific lead magnets for a article. And people like Brian Harrison and people were saying that they're getting like, you know, 10, 20% opt-in rates for those. And it made sense why. If you're reading an article on like 10 things to do when starting a business and the content upgrade is get the 10 step checklist from this article as a PDF, that's going to have a very high uptake rate because it's very relevant to the article they just read. 
So I thought, well, what if I, again, make it so if they're a designer and they came from a design site and they're reading articles on proposals, they probably care about that. So let's make the, you know, the, the let's just change my normal call to action and just rephrase it a bit. So like designers, colon, learn how to close more proposals. And that's it. I'm calling these dynamic call to actions that made uh, organic Google traffic go from about two to 5%. So about 2.5 X increase, and which is huge. I mean, that's, massive. that's like insane. Um, so I've, that's been one big win that I've had. The other has been where I take, I take that same approach and I put it on a sales page. So now on the double your freelancing rate sales page, if I know you're a designer and you're an agency and you went through my email course and you click the trigger link saying you're, you want to price on value. Um, because I have th three different options, uh, price on value. I have no idea how to price. So I just need guidance or I am not getting any of my proposals except you click the one that best reflects why you joined the free email course. So by the time you get to sent to the landing page, the sales page, I take into account, are you a freelancer agency? What kind of work do you do? And which one of those three are you? And then the content gets dynamically modified based off that. So if you're a design agency struggling with proposals, you're reading the page, testimonials are other design agencies. The headline is about design. The way I present the offer is about how it can help you close more proposals. Every instance, the word freelancer is now design agency. Because I used to get emails from like copywriters. I would say, hey, Brennan, check it out your course. Uh, heard good things, but I looks like all the testimonials are from like designers and developers. Um, can this actually help me? And I would sit back and think, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a B2B sales product. Like, it, it, I mean, it's not specific to any thing. But I realized for everyone who wrote that email, there's probably like a thousand people who think that and close the tab. So, you know, that's, that's all I was trying to do is counter that. So that has given me on the double your freelancing rate sales page, a lift of about 70%. So still pretty nice. Significant. Yeah. All right, my friends, don't go anywhere. This episode is not over. Brennan will be back in just a moment talking about his new software as a service, Right Message, how he came up with the idea, how he's launching it. This is some of the most epic brick stacking I've ever seen, so I'm very excited for you to hear about it. But before you do, I have a favor to ask. It's a small thing, won't take you more than a minute or two, but it'll really, really help this show and help more people find this show. And that's giving this show a rating and a review on iTunes. I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you. You can go to stackingthebricks.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight to our show. Click on the review button and leave us some stars and your opinion of this show. What have you learned? What are your favorite parts? What do you want to hear more of? Any words of encouragement you want to share with us, share them there. And then while you're in the sharing mood, share the show with a friend, colleague, somebody who's never heard the show before, let them know about it and maybe suggest your favorite episode. We'd love to get some new listeners listening to Stacking the Bricks and your help means a ton to us. Thank you so much for listening. Amy and I really appreciate your support. And with that, let's get back into the episode. So talk to me a little bit about Right Message. Yeah, so started with actually a training product. Um, I came out with an uh, automation course that had lessons on personalization in it. And that did well, it did about 400 uh, sales, or it's done about that. And it was nice because it didn't take me long to develop, the, I mean, the nice thing about a course is it's a lot easier to build a course than a SaaS typically. So people would buy that, they'd go through the lessons, they'd be intrigued by the personalization stuff, and then they'd say, you know, I want that too. So I just basically ripped out the code from W Freelancing, called it Drip Pro Tools. And it was a JavaScript library that I would just bundle in the course. And I said, okay, have at it. Hopefully it works. 
unsurprisingly, a lot of the feedback was, I don't know what to do with this. Um, I remember somebody was like, I uploaded this, uh, the zip file you gave me to WordPress, uh, the plugin thing, and it's not working. And I'm like, you know, it's just one of those like slapping your head type things, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, uh, but that, that made me realize, and I, I, I even knew for myself, I mean, I didn't like needing to redeploy all my code or write a lot of weird JavaScripts to change text. So I thought, well, what if, you know, I've used tools like Optimizely before, that's really nice. What if we could make it so, um, you know, would, would people like, would these customers of mine be interested in a SaaS version of this that basically compiled down the code that would then do what your Pro Tools does for you? And so I, I did that, and then I started really building in the open. I mean, my Twitter thing for the last year has been nothing but this crap, again and again and again. I've been sharing mixed panel reports, weird code snippets, uh, lifts and stuff, which has gotten me in the radar of a few conferences. I've given a few talks on this stuff. And I've kind of built up a little following of people who are interested in like what I'm calling pretty advanced optimizations you can do on your site that most people don't do. And then when I announced Write Message, I mean, I haven't even properly marketed, like my list of now 41,000 on DYF, I've never mentioned Write Message to that list yet. So That was one of my questions, because this seems like a divergence from... It's a different audience. Um, and it was interesting because even with the drip course, I was thinking like, this is kind of divergent from, this isn't business training for freelancers. This is really a new skill, uh, that, you know, a SaaS company could use and, and maybe a freelancer could, but for, mo for the most part, it's not specific to freelancing. So I had to actually spin this whole, when I launched my list, the drip course, I really focused on, this is a new skill that will take you relatively little time to master and learn compared to like learning how to design or something like that. And you can upsell your clients on doing this. And that's what I'm waiting for now. With I'm waiting to get the training in place on how to sell your clients on personalization before I launch it to my list. So you're basically packaging this up. You're, you're almost carving out a new industry of services that you can then have freelancers offer as a premium service to their exactly. clients. Exactly. So instead of just giving them a new website, why not make that website hyper specific to the people visiting it? You're an evil genius. It is very good that the, <laughs> that you use your powers for good to help people do well in their business. Yeah, no, that's that's that was the, my biggest question was how not not how do you build up this new list because to me and and maybe less so to the listeners. So I'm going to try and break down what I heard you say is through the process of building the W freelancing empire and then folding in some methodologies that you learned. Over the years, and I even I can imagine that your ability to think about personalization tracks back to your success as an agency owner. Well, I mean, it's high touch sales. I mean, I've been doing high touch sales forever. And when I'm talking to you, if 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 I'm talking to you and you're a Silicon Valley startup person, I'm going to speak to you much differently than the next uh, sales meeting I have with a local small business owner. You know, I mean, that's all. It, it's just I need to find a different way of presenting my quote unquote product, the consulting service to you right and that's that's all it is so that so that mindset when you track that over to okay now now i'm selling a product that i've created once to lots of different kinds of people how do i essentially turn like do that and then you figured out how to do that and the fact that you figured out how to do that attracted to a degree a new audience of your own peers people who are trying to sell products and services to other people more effectively using online tools so it's it's not as much of a divergent audience as it might seem, but I had not seen the loop back. 
that you're describing where you can essentially carve out a new service and teach people how to sell this to their own clients. Right. So I'm waiting on, I'm actually, I'm doing two things. I'm working on a course right now on, on how to segment and personalize. Cause I realize the tool, everyone gets the value of it. Everyone, it's the easiest thing I've ever sold. The hard part is everyone asks, they're like, well, I've got this great tool now. What do I do with it? And that's the hard part is really building up how to segment. Because if you, if you don't segment, you can't personalize. You need that before the other. And, you know, so we're really focusing on the education side. And the next step is going to be how can you as a consultant, for the most part, this could be an upsell for your clients. If you're doing design work or development work or anything, I'm going to try to get DYF to be an army of resellers instead of maybe direct clients. Yeah evil genius. Well, I know, I know we're running short on time. So I, I have sort of two sort of remaining questions and they are really about connecting the, um, the, the timeline of the past to the present, because you've clearly learned a lot. I think you're, you've, you've applied more of the things that you learned in 30 by 500. And it's definitely a situation where the student has become the master surpassed us. And you've taught Amy and I so many things. So I'm thankful for that. If you could go back in time to uh, around the time that you were working on plan scope and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Probably. So I actually credit to Andrew Culver. When I signed up for Churnbuster, it was brilliant. He, there was no way to sign up, jumped on Skype. He said, okay, share your screen. I just sent you an email, go in your inbox, find it. There's your tracking code and everything you need to get Churnbuster set up. Go and, go and do it. I'm going to watch you do it. And not only did that make sure I did it, but on top of that, he was able to see how I used this product of this, right? He had a, he had a, he got to see me actually using his software and, and screwing stuff up and not knowing where things are. And that was a mistake I made with plans because not doing that. So with this, there's no way to sign up currently without getting on the phone with me and to write Michael, message, you mean? To write message. And midway through, I'm going to be, if you're ready to go, I've got a little link generator where I plug in your account, your plan, all that stuff. It generates a link just for you. I paste it to you. You sign up. We switch now. Now you share your screen on Zoom. Get set up. And go. Let's Before we get off this demo call, let's set up your first campaign. And I don't even know how to design onboarding until I have enough of that data. And this is giving me data in terms of how to market the thing. I realized having done 30-ish of these calls now, I've learned new use cases that only came to me through showing people and talking to them about their businesses and what they could use it for. So it's been by far the best. I mean, it's, it's draining as hell, but it's not something I'll do long-term, but it's been hugely, more so than any amount of A-B testing or this or that or whatever I could do on, on my site surveying or whatever. This has been huge. And you're basically doing post-sales safari. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Right. They've already bought in the concept and now it's a matter of let's see how they apply the dream that they have to the reality of the product and see if there's any disconnects and, and how can I resolve that. We talk a lot about like e-bombs and everything. And this has been like, I have this notepad of basically the next year of content to create as a result of this stuff. I now know exactly what I need to do in terms of not only, you know, two things. I'm dog fooding first off because all these demos are live. There's nothing more personal than a live thing. So I'm associating the, the structured data that I have about the kind of business they run and all the stuff that I keep in my CRM with the results of that call. And I'm really able to better correlate now. I'm, I still haven't 
normalize this as much as I need to, but I'm able to see, okay, if they have this, this, and this, this is the messaging that's going working really well for them in, their, in these demos. So then when they get to the marketing site, future people just like them, I can apply that. I mean, it, it's just, it's all super meta because I tell people point blank on the call, I'm like, here's how I'm going to personalize this demo for you, by the way. <laughs> and I, I rattle off the list of attributes I know about them through the survey that goes in before you're able to demo. Um, so it's, it's basically just like a part of the, a part of the demo experience is me really selling somebody on like, you're going to see just how effective this is compared to me showing you just a generic video. That's amazing. Uh, last question back to the product that kicked off the whole empire of success version one, double your freelancing rate, Brennan, the one that resisted Amy over and over and over. (laughs) What advice would you give that Brennan? (laughs) I call it a course instead of a book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I think the biggest thing that I, the mistake I made was I delivered the product and that was it. So the biggest change that I made with DYFR V2, which was a course format, is when you joined, you got on a, I marketed it as a two month accountability course, which is a fancy way of saying a eight week long automation sequence that sends two emails a week. And all it did is walk through section by section, the whole thing. And just almost like a recap of that with a link to a worksheet related to that section. So what people loved about this is they couldn't, they couldn't avoid the purchase. Cause I realized, and I don't know if you guys have seen the same thing, but a lot of people think they're doing something good by buying something. So, you know, it's like, Oh, I bought this course. I'm obviously doing something good for my business, but until they actually apply the thing, it's useless. It's a waste of money. I bought these sneakers. Now I can run faster. I can jump higher. Right. Exactly. Well, we all do it. I mean, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, I, I would, I would open up the the new, the the new course was saying like, I've got on my book, on my uh, bookshelf business books that I bought that I was sold on the cover. I sold on the idea, but I haven't read, but because I bought it anonymously, Barnes and Noble, the author is not following up with me, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow up with you now that you've bought this automatically over time and make sure that you actually are able to apply it. And strangely enough, that's probably been in terms of increased overall customer success and increased purchase rates of other products of mine. That stupid eight week automation has been it. Like that's that thing, that thing alone. So I would have done something like that. I think more people who sell information should do that. You, you can have a almost like a post automation sequence. Uh, you know, if you have a pre automation, you've got your email course leading up to the course or the product. That's all good and well, but you should have something post too. Now, Amy and I are always remarking, and other friends of ours as well, is like, how does Brennan do all the things that he does? Um, and part of it is obviously that you're a machine, uh, and, and you're very and you're very good at what you do. But I also love how strategically you find ways to help robots do the things that are obviously repeated over and over and over so that you can spend more time doing the human soft touch things or replicating things in a way that feels more human and soft touch. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think like, for instance, I use automation to self let people segment into what is it they need this say email course to do for them. And I also automate the capturing of data after the email course to make sure to say, see what they got out of it. I mean, that's not only a great way to get testimonials, but it's a great way to see, did I deliver on the expectation? And that allows me to really make sure over time, I've been able to refine continuously the core automation email courses that I have in place based off of this 
you know, what they bought something, they bought their, with an email address and, t- and their time commitment, they bought into the dream of this email course. Now that they've gone through it, you know, what did they get out of it? And are the two in line? And if not, that means I need to fix the middle bit. And that's helped me for paid stuff, for free stuff. I mean, everything in between. And I think that's what's made the company do well is just that kind of looking at data and using data to actually act on it rather than just having it sit there. Killer. Well, if people want to go check out uh, Right Message for themselves, if they're interested in how all of this works, uh, they're obviously going to be in a queue to get a demo from you. Um, <laughs> but where, where should we be sending people to? Uh, rightmessage.io slash stacking the bricks, and you'll see a little Easter egg. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, Brennan, thank you so much for fitting us in between all of your dozens of demos every day. Um, like I said, I'm always super excited and Amy and I are, are proud to have been even a, a small part of the journey. Huge part. Both of you. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. All right, my friends, that is it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned a lot. And if you did, we'll be back again in two weeks with a brand new episode, a brand new guest, a brand new conversation. And if you don't want to miss that, make sure you're subscribed to this show in your favorite podcast listening app. You can find us just about anywhere by searching for Stacking the Bricks. You can also go to stackingthebricks.com, check out our latest posts, our latest episodes of the show. And if you don't want to miss a thing, make sure you're on our newsletter as well. That's it for this week. And until next time, keep on stacking those bricks.